Wait, are we doing a true crime podcast again tonight? It seems like we just did this like last week. We do. But I always love it when we do these Seems together. to be a, it's a pattern. After a year, right? We've been doing this for over a year. Do you guys realize that? Over a year. Over a year, like one week past a year. Mm-hmm. And I am here with two of my favorite people in the whole wide world. My name is Scott Wright, and I'm a mediocre journalist. My name is Kelly Turner, and I'm not a doctor. I'm Katie Givens, and I'm not a lawyer. Luckily, none of those professional requirements prohibit us from doing what we're doing tonight. We have been doing this for almost a year now. Actually, one week over a year. Yes. So it's like 53 weeks that we've been doing this. It's a long and time. It it seems like it. It seems like an eternity. It's actually gone by pretty fast. It actually has. I I I was trying to make fun of you guys, but it's. <laughs> I mean, every every Monday when we do this is one of my favorite things that I do every week, and so I would be remiss if I didn't say that. But in the last couple of weeks, people have started to, and I was just standing in line at the Piggly Wiggly today. Okay. Today. Mm-hmm. I texted you two hours ago. And a gentleman named Brandon Thompson, who was right beside me in the checkout line at the Piglet Weekly, said, hey, aren't you the guy on the podcast? And I was like, <laughs> yes, I am. You're like, yeah, I'm the only guy on the podcast. I mean, yeah, well, I should have said that. Uh, but he, he said, I listen to you guys every week. When are you doing it again? I said, I'm headed right now to record another episode of our podcast. We're going to tackle this four-part series. Mm-hmm. And I think you're going to like it. He's like, oh, I know I'm going to like it. Well, thank you, Brandon. Brandon Thompson from Cedar Bluff. I assume he's from Cedar Bluff. He was in the Cedar Bluff Piggly Wiggly. uh, Wow. Drink another one. (laughs) He was in the Cedar Bluff Piggly Wiggly today. That's hard to say. Uh, You've had a few. Not not necessarily, but it just depends on where you've been for the last hour and a half. Uh, Especially if you're at Easy Street here on West Main Street in Center, Alabama. That makes it a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. And then a couple of weeks ago, a lady named Jody McDaniel Lowry also recognized my voice. Uh, She was at Easy Street. Oh, okay. You do have a very distinct voice. Well, I'm not fishing for a compliment, but thank you. I will take it. But she was, uh, she is an author. She has written true crime books and she actually handed me one of her business cards and said, hey, if you guys ever want to uh, collaborate, let me know. And so I've got those, uh, those digits if we want to do that. You got some digits. Not in that way, but yes, I did get some digits. <laughs> All right, Scott. All right, whatever. So anyway, we're doing something very unique tonight. We've never done this before. We've never done a four-part series before, and Kelly Turner is the girl in the driver's seat with the steering wheel and all of the pedals. We're all just sitting in the back of this car waiting for everything fun to happen <laughs> or everything terrible to happen. Yeah. And now it's your turn. Okay. So welcome everybody back for another episode. Did I totally screw that up? No. We're going to cancel all this, aren't we? No, you didn't. Katie's going to cut the whole damn thing. Well, she's going to cut that part. Okay. You're just saying that. Fine. Yeah. Welcome everybody. <laughs> Let's get started. Uh, that was a wonderful intro, Scott. All right. Thank just you for that. Knock it off. <laughs> no, you did a great job and you do. You have a very recognizable voice and I can understand how people would, would recognize you when they're out and about. Quickly, yeah. thank you for that. But quickly, before we get to the next thing, I texted you guys something yesterday about some sort of award show that we might want to get involved in, but it turns out you have to pay for those uh, nominations. Uh, so we're going to, we're going to, 
We're going to shit can that. We're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Is that okay? Did you guys trust me to make that determination? Yeah. Yes. So, not happening. Raspberry, go ahead. All right. So, as Scott said, this is the beginning of a four-part series that we're going to do. This um, case is one of many that we're going to look into uh, from the area of Hampton County, South Carolina. So, let's just jump right in, shall we? In the early morning hours of July the 8th, 2015, a man called 911 to report a body lying dead in the middle of Sandy Run Road in Hampton County, South Carolina. The man was on his way to work early that morning when he discovered the body of Stephen Smith, age 19. Now, police are going to arrive moments after this call around 4 a.m., And they're going to take a look at Stephen and discover that his head is covered in blood. He has a seven-inch gash on his head. His skull was crushed. There was a hole in his forehead, and his shoulder was dislocated. Police first believed that this was a hit-and-run and called the highway patrol about 6 a.m. However, after investigating the scene, they called in the State Law Enforcement Division, also known as SLED. In South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Sled's going to get there about 6.45 a.m. Now, because there was so much blood and because of this gaping hole in Stephen's forehead, police initially reported that he was shot. However, they searched the crime scene and they determined that he died from blunt force trauma to the head and not a gunshot. Now, this crime scene is a mystery from the beginning. Uh, There are no bullet fragments to be located, no gunpowder, no residue to be found, no weapon whatsoever. Just a dead body in the middle of this country Pretty much in the middle of the road. Absolutely in the middle of the road. And as they continued to search the area, they realized that there were no car parts in the road, no broken glass as if from maybe a car mirror or window, no paint chips, no skid marks on the road. Stephen's loosely tied shoes were still on his feet. Which is a huge marker of being hit by a car that from what I've read is your shoes come off. Yes. And the highway patrol says this. This yeah. is highly I mean, unusual. That's a violent collision. I mean, you, yes. your body gets tossed and turned in ways that it would normally be, and things fly off. I mean, inertia takes mm-hmm. over at that point. And-, and your body breaks parts of the car. Right. That would be yeah. found mm-hmm. near the crime scene. Exactly. His phone and his keys were still in his pocket, and the, his car was found about three miles from where his body was found. The gas can was open. It was, it was open and kind of hanging from the car. Like you would run out of gas. gas. The gas cap. The cap. What did I say? You said the can. The can, the gas cap. The gas cap Mm -hmm. was hanging from the car. Right, 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 right. All right. So the highway patrol says this is, none of this is typical of a vehicle hit and run as far as his shoes on his feet, his things still in his pocket, no evidence of of a car being there. They're now going to suspect foul play. Would you go so far as to say staged? Some law enforcement will use that phrase. Okay. 
So in South Carolina, an autopsy must be performed by a pathologist who is also a medical doctor, so not me, to determine the cause <laughs> to determine the cause and manner of death. So Stephen's body was turned over to Dr. Aaron Presnell, a pathologist at the University of South Carolina, for an autopsy. Now, Dr. Presnell is going to rule this a hit and run, contrary to what all of the law enforcement are saying. And Dr. Presnell states that due to the condition of his head, the fact that no bullets were found, that it must have been a hit and run. And there are a lot of people who have seen crime scene photos who report that his his head was warped. I mean, it was very badly damaged. Okay. From this from this blunt force trauma. Okay. Now, Stephen's uh, toxicology report was clean, meaning he was sober when he was killed. Mm. So for this to have been a hit and run, he's going to stand on this dark country road in the middle of the road with his phone and his keys in his pocket with loosely tied shoes and a big truck. This is kind of what they theorized. A big truck is going to come by now, how long on a dark country road will you see lights from a big, a big truck, a big 18 wheeler or a big pickup truck? There's a long straightaway mm-hmm. in both directions. You ever heard where, the phrase, you can see that from a mile away. Exactly. This is where it comes This is not from. some crazy windy <laughs> country road. There's, there's a, it's a long straight. It's a straight shot. Yeah. Pitch of road. What's also suspicious to me is his phone being in his pocket. Like if you're out in the dark. Like that, you would Wouldn't think be using it for a while. Right, you'd have it out. Yeah, mm-hmm. and this is uh, this is July of 2015, so everyone has a has a has a cell phone in their pocket. Stephen has a cell phone. Yes, and so he's going to stand there, and he's going to see the truck coming, and he's not going to move, and he's going to be sober, and he's going to let the truck hit him. Sounds wow. suspicious. Wow. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, the Highway Patrol strongly disagrees with Dr. Presnell's ruling of it being a hit and run, as well as the coroner disagrees that it was a hit and run. They believe that this was a homicide. So, regardless, though, the Highway Patrol has to take this case because it is ruled a hit and run. It's their jurisdiction on the highway. Yeah, because if it's ruled a hit and run, that's that's their bag. So it's like their only bag. Like homicide right. is not their No, forte. they have right. absolutely no skills yeah, good in point. this kind of investigation. They can recreate accidents. And what they're saying is based on looking at this crime scene and attempting to recreate something, they got nothing. Right. There's no evidence there to help them recreate anything that happened involving a vehicle. Okay. So they, but they still have to take this case and they're going to try to do the best that they can with it. Due diligence. Mm-hmm. Now, some law enforcement officials, as I said, they were thinking that a large truck came by and, he, and the mirror of the truck struck him in the head. Now, I just kind of did a little research on myself. I, I'm not sure exactly how tall Stephen was. He wasn't. I'm about 5'9. He was probably. Absolutely not any taller than you are. So I was standing just in my garage the other day and my Tahoe mirror would hit me almost in the shoulder. Right. And I go over to, Kevin has a a Tundra. Your husband who does not listen to this No, he doesn't listen. Um, 
but so I go over to his mirror and it would still hit me almost like in the neck. Mm-hmm. The mirrors have to be taller. So it would have to be something like an 18 wheeler like or a like semi truck or a jacked up truck. Yeah. You know, with a, with a, with those big mirrors sticking out to get the type of damage. Like a normal you know, hot person mm-hmm. in that face. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So it it couldn't have been your average SUV that hit him. Yeah. If you're talking a mirror from a vehicle hit him. Mm-hmm. Although the highway patrol has said, no, that's not what happened to him. Okay. That just made me think of a couple of questions, but we'll wait. Uh, I'm right. going to write them down. You go ahead. Okay. So who was Stephen Smith? Stephen Smith was 19 years old at the time that he died. He was a nursing student. Now, Stephen was a twin. He had a twin sister. And his mother, Sandy, said that Stephen loved to read. She even said in an interview that, quote, his room looks like a library. Aww. Any extra bit of money that he had, he spent on books, all kinds of books. And he loved to read. Um, he wanted to be a doctor, but he knew that his family couldn't afford medical school. So he was going to start with becoming a nurse and just kind of step it up and pay, pay his own way after yeah, he became a make, nurse and I started mean, working. You can make decent money as a nurse and maybe yeah. uh, get yourself through Through medical, medical school. school. That was his plan. Okay. Um, now, Stephen was openly gay and he had reportedly been harassed for that in this small little country town um, and allegedly was harassed on the night of his death. The Smith family had an open casket funeral so that everyone could see what had been done to Stephen. And his mother said that his head had to be reconstructed with putty for the funeral. It, wow. was, a, it was damaged badly. Eesh. That's why when they saw all the blood and the damage, they're initially thinking gunshot to the head. Okay. And then they don't find a bullet. There's no bullet fragments. And then the pathologist, you know, Dr. Presnell, you know, there's no, when there was no bullet, then she just went to hit and run. An easy explanation. Mm-hmm. Move on to the next thing mm-hmm. for the pathologist. Right. Now, his death has never been fully explained. Uh, some of the police files say that, uh, or they theorize that he ran out of gas, as I said, about three miles from where he was found. Uh, and the gas cap was hanging from the car. But Stephen's mother says that he would never walk alone on a dark country road in the middle of the night. She said he was a very cautious boy. And part of that is because he was openly gay and had dealt with the harassment. Now, we live in small southern town, USA. Yes. So we understand that. We do. That's unfortunately still an issue. And so he was a cautious person and she says there's no way that he would be walking in in the middle of the road on this dark country road at night she said he had his phone she's quick to point out he had his phone he could have called someone to come and get him yeah yeah that is i mean someone could have been there quickly yeah and he would have why would what what why is he calling somebody and the the abc 2020 documentary that i watched said they confirmed the car was out of gas the car was out of gas. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he had a legitimate reason for his car to be stalled on the side of the road. He's six miles from home. And that's where the confusion begins. And that is the confusion because he's so close to home. Why not just call and say, I've run out of gas? Somebody can be there in five minutes. Well, exactly. Can we talk about why is his gas cap off? 
Like, he doesn't have a gas can there. He's not opening the gas cap to check the gas levels. That's not a thing. That is weird. Uh, now that you mention it, that is kind of weird. Because you wouldn't need to remove that gas cap until you return from the local convenience store. And maybe he didn't want to wake up his mom at four in the morning because it was four in the morning when that mm. call came in that his body had been seen in the road by a guy named Ronnie Capers who called into 911 and then proceeded to drive down the road and said, hey, there's a there's a, mm-hmm. a boy in the road. Now, Ronnie says he, 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 he calls and says somebody's going to hit him. Yes. And it's okay, we're going to get somebody down there. Right. But Ronnie claims he was on his way to work. Yeah. When they interviewed him. Fair enough. At first, I thought, why didn't he stop and stay around? But he's on his way yeah. to his job. Yeah, maybe if, so, he, if he's late for work where, one more day, he's out of a job. So he's got to go. I don't know. That That's... I know. That, of course, that, it's frowned that, upon. That struck but, me, me too. That struck me too. They apparently looked into Ronnie and, and cleared him. He went to work and yeah. and that was that. Um. Now, tips are going to start coming in, and and they're going to start doing some interviews. Police interviewed an older man who identified himself as Stephen's boyfriend. And he says that he spoke with Stephen the night of his death, and that Stephen told him that he was going to, quote, run out of gas. He's going to run out of gas. And Stephen also told him that he was, quote, being harassed by some guys in a pickup truck. So those are the two things that you can pull from this man's very long and rambling yes, interview. Very rambling. That are pertinent. That, yes. Okay. And now this man, his interview is very hard to listen to. He he claims to have a head injury. He also claims to have a, a long history of, of drug use. And he's just kind of all over the place when he's talking. But those are the two very interesting things that he says. That Stephen says, I'm going to run out of gas and that he's, it says that he's being harassed by guys in a pickup truck. Now, Stephen's family strongly denies that this older man was his, quote, boyfriend. Okay. Um, they, they maybe go so far as to admit maybe they had, you know, a fling or something, but that this man was not his boyfriend. And it could be this man has a, a kind of a checkered past as far as the 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 substance use and and things like that. And so maybe they just don't want Stephen associated with him. But this man also claimed to be the one who was paying for Stephen's phone. In one of the uh, podcasts that I listened to about this case, he claimed to pay for Stephen's phone. So uh, their relationship, they had some sort of relationship. Yeah. Uh, yes, obviously. Right? Mm-hmm. But the family does acknowledge that Stephen was harassed for being gay. In fact, that's why they had the open casket. His mother, in interviews, truly believes that this was some sort of hate crime because of Stephen being openly gay. And that's why they had the open casket to show the community what happened to their son. I would love to say that I think that that mother was being ridiculous, but she, there's a good chance she probably wasn't. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so Stephen's twin sister, he, he, uh, she says that he told her that he had been involved with a boy at one point in time, and that boy was, quote, privileged. Now, he never said 
who this boy was that he was involved with. I didn't see that coming. But he did say that he was involved with a privileged boy. Now, in Hampton County, it's not a whole lot different in this in from our Cherokee County in the sense of there is a pretty big gap between the haves and the have nots. Mm-hmm. Um, Fair statement. There's a lot of money in Hampton County and a few people have it. And then there are a lot of folks who are not as well off. And Stephen's family were some of the family who were not as well off. Mm-hmm. And so that's why he was, you know, making this statement to his sister that oh, this is a privileged boy. Hampton County, in many ways, very similar to Cherokee County. I mean, it's it's it a is. small county. There's about uh, 21,000 people in Hampton County as far as the 21, uh, 2020 census goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the... Uh, county seat is a town called Hampton in Hampton mm-hmm. County. Mm-hmm. About 4,000 people, very similar to the size of Center, mm-hmm. which is our yep. uh, uh, county seat. And in that census, I believe they said there were a total of about 595 families oh, in Hampton God. County. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and, 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 and it revolves around the water. Mm-hmm. Much again, like Cherokee County does. We have mm-hmm. a big lake in the middle. It's kind of the low country in that part of South Carolina, but a lot of people spend time on boats. I'm guessing uh, in weeks ahead, we will get to that. But Well, Hampton County doesn't even have a Walmart. They do not. And I'm actually going to... Oh, I don't want to... I'm going to get into head. all that. I was actually going to give that census data and get into all I'm that. I'm sorry. So, no, no. That's Kelly. why we're all thinking on the same page. Okay, so that's good. great. All right. um, so Todd Proctor from the Highway Patrol, who was investigating this case, obtained a search warrant for Stephen's phone and phone records. He states in the affidavit that, quote, the investigation has led to this individual not being struck by a vehicle and possible foul play. So they're very out there with the fact that... He was not hit by a vehicle. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Now, as far as I can find and anything I've listened to, anything that I have read, nothing has come from this search warrant or from the phone records. In fact, there was some dispute over the chain of custody with Stephen's phone. With all of his possessions, right? His clothes, his, his, his body. I mean, they, you know, when he, when he was turned over, from having the autopsy, the, the highway patrol first, they didn't know where his body was. <laughs> no. I mean, they've got to investigate this. They didn't know where it was, so they find out it's at the funeral home, and his Stephen's things are in a paper bag there. I mean, the crime scene is just shot. Oh, yeah. At right. this point. Yeah, they don't gone. know. Yeah. 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 So, chain of custody is, is broken on several things, allegedly, during this case. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it could just be, at the very least, it's just, crappy police work. I hate to say that because the Highway Patrol has no business investigating this. And they don't want to be investigating. They don't want to be investigating this. That's not their job. No. Technically. I mean, I'm sure there's an investigative division. Well, it's become their job only because they've been forced to do it. They've been forced to. Yeah. And they keep saying this is wrong, but here we are. Yes. I mean, they they showed up to the scene and did their job Mm -hmm. and said, not a hit and run, guys. Don't give it to us. Somebody else <laughs> and is even in charge the, of the this. other law enforcement there agreed and said, "No, you guys don't even have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a this is not a hit and run. Don't worry about it." Whoopsie! Now they have it. Now they have to investigate. I'm it. guessing this is something we are going to circle back in uh, in 
uh, episodes down the road. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Got it. Uh, I'm several, with you. Several tips are going to come in. And there's a name that keeps coming up in those tips. And that name is Buster Murdoch. Now, Buster Murdoch was a classmate of Stephen Smith's in high school at Wade Hampton High School. Uh, notes in the file state that police tried to contact Buster Murdoch, but no answer. And his voicemail was full. Then they tried to email him, but no replies. Now, multiple sources are reporting that Buster and his, quote, buddies may be responsible for this death. In fact, the Murdoch name comes up more than 40 times in the process of interviewing this. People who may have some information or knowledge about what they think might have happened. I can just tell you, the rumors are flying. Got it. The rumors are flying. And then more than half of the people interviewed, 10 out of 18, had heard the same rumor. That Buster Murdoch was secretly gay and involved with Stephen Smith at some point. Now, this is all rumor. Conjecture. So, mm-hmm. uh, the interviews, of course, as I said, they're based on rumors. They have no solid evidence to link Buster to this crime. Or really to even link him to Stephen, other than the fact that they were classmates in high school mm-hmm. at Wade Hampton High. So you've got the issue of the wrong agency trying to investigate this. They don't have any solid evidence and Buster won't talk to them. He won't call them back. He's not emailing them back. Now, Stephen's twin sister told Fitz News that Randy Murdoch, who is Buster Murdoch's uncle, was the second person to call her father on the day of Stephen Smith's death after the coroner. So think about that. Randy Murdoch, who is a lawyer mm-hmm. in Hampton County. A very County. prominent. Yeah. In Hampton County. Local attorney. South Carolina was the second person they heard from after the coroner. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to Katie in my research of this. And I said, Katie, how common is this for a lawyer to be the second person that reaches out to a family um, when someone dies on the highway? Can I guess? Katie? Um, I mean, it's decently common. I mean, it's definitely tacky to not wait as long. I mean, should have waited longer. But I mean, this is how they make their living. They're personal injury attorneys and okay, and and if wrongful death attorneys, who who are you talking about? I'm. I promise you, we are going to dive into the Murdoch family. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if just you, need to, what you need to know right now is Randy Murdoch is a lawyer who has contacted yeah. this family and he is the uncle of Buster Murdoch. Yeah, we will save your up. thirst before this four-part series Oh, yeah, we got over, you. We got you. Yeah. We're as confused as you guys are right now. Mm-hmm. So, lawyers do contact families who have lost a loved one due to a hit and run on the highway, you know, because that's the way it was ruled. Mm-hmm. So this is maybe at, fir- at first you look at it and you go, that's, that's pretty fishy. But I think you're going to find that it's very fishy once we get <laughs> deeper <laughs> well, if they're into assuming this story. That yeah. an 18-wheeler did this, then that's, you know. If you think you, about if, the company that owns the 18 If you want to get a yeah. payout from somebody, you want, you know, it, right. it's, there's always the joke that if I'm going to get hit, I want to get hit by a Coke truck. Ooh. Yeah, because they have really good insurance. Right. 
Yeah. That's a big so I, payout, I, I'm I get, assuming. I get that. Uh, I get that reference in that uh, that method of operation. Trying, if you're trying to make it not suspicious, there is a logical mm-hmm. explanation okay. somewhat. And as we are going to come to learn, this is how the Murdochs make their living. Yeah. Okay. So there's a hint. Yes. Stephen's mother found now notice I said his mother found this in his car, found a key pass to a gated community in Hilton Head, South Carolina. Now police didn't find this. She did. The police contacted the owner of the house, the gated, you know, everything. He said that he and Stephen had a one night stand, but they never hooked up again. He did admit to calling Stephen or and texting him after Stephen had passed away because he did not know that Stephen okay. had passed away. Now he is significantly, allegedly older than Stephen. Mm-hmm. That's what they're saying. He's an older man. It was a one night stand. Well, Stephen's he nineteen admits, yeah, when he passed away. He admits to having a one night stand with Stephen. Okay, recently. And one of the rumors that some of the people who are being interviewed talk about is he was running, Stephen was running from an older man who was upset with him on the night that that he died. So here's an older man that he has a recent connection to. And according to the Murdoch Murders podcast, they're reporting, they did not even get an alibi. For this man, from that for for that person on the night of Stephen's death, it seems like that's going to be a, a song that we are all going to know all the words to before this is over. Mm-hmm. Uh, investigations that did not do their due diligence. Yep, and so they've not spoken to Buster, whose name has come up forty times. Right. Uh, they don't get an alibi for this guy, and then they bring the other guy who's older and claims to be Stephen's boyfriend, and they do interview him, mm-hmm. and he must have checked out. But that was one of the big rumors. Okay. There was right. a rumor that Buster and some of his buddies had something to do with it. They were the ones harassing him, and they had something to do with Stephen's murder. And then there was a rumor that he was running from an older man who was upset with him. Well, you just made me realize what a glancing blow that the 2020 uh, documentary that I watched Mm -hmm. did at this whole fucking thing because Mm -hmm. they just, they tried to find a way and I wrote this down. They tried to make this overproduced and ostentatious from the beginning. And I, I don't know how much of a fan I am of 2020 after this, because you have, Lifted the blinds from my eyes well, about and, a lot of things about this. And we're just on the very first week of a four-part series. Yeah, and I can tell you, if you go to fitznews.com, you can find some really interesting stories. And yeah. if you listen to okay. the Murdoch Murders podcast, it's a very Which deep dive. Which I have dive. not done yet. It's a very deep dive. And she, okay. she's not a mediocre journalist. Oh, well, see, that, that explains everything. <laughs> and she goes very deeply into the Stephen Smith case, even more deeply than okay. we're going to be able to go right. into. Um, Wow. Yeah. So anyways, Very enlightening. Yeah. So this man, um, this interview really led to nothing. And then in 2016, Stephen's case goes cold. There's no new leads. It's never turned over to SLED. Remember, I talked about the state law enforcement division. It's never turned over to them for them to investigate. Cold case. So who are the Murdochs? Well, first of all, um, I if you notice, it's spelled M-U-R-D-A-U-G-H. And you're like, Kelly, 
Which is confusing. You're saying that wrong, but it is pronounced Murdoch, despite the spelling. Um, So let me give you a history on who they are and why their name is so important in South Carolina. In 1920, a Murdoch became the solicitor of the 14th Judicial Circuit. Now, a Murdoch is going to hold this position in the 14th Judicial Circuit until 2006. Now, did you get that timeline, Scott? I'm working on it. 1920. I'm writing it down. 1920 to 2006, 14th Circuit. Yep. And now, how many years is that having a Murdoch? Uh, that's in, 86 as a, years. As a solicitor. 86. Okay. All right. Now, a solicitor is like a DA. That's what we would call South a district Carolina. attorney. Mm-hmm. Yes. It, a, the solicitor is considered to be one of the most powerful positions in the South Carolina judicial system. Katie, do you have anything you want to add no, to this? No, yeah, you're, you're, okay. you're nailing it. Tell me when I'm wrong, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Murdochs have been one of the most prominent families in the state of South Carolina, and many in Hampton County will tell you that the Murdochs are the law. Now, we talked a little bit about Hampton. Uh, Hampton and Scott gave us some uh, 2020 census information. Well, I half-assed it. You want me to do it again? Uh, you, why don't you do it? Well, this, this is your ball of wax. As of the 2020 United States Census, there were 2,694 people, 1,139 households, and 595 families residing in the town. It's the county seat of Hampton County. The town and the county are named after Wade Hampton III, a Confederate general in the Civil War. Hampton has a vanishing industry and is one of the poorest counties in South Carolina. It has a reputation of siding with plaintiffs and awarding an unusually high amount for damages. Yeah, that's a crazy statistic about how many plaintiffs win cases in this county. Like, mm-hmm. Really, it's such a small county, but cases get brought there and the jury sides with the defendant. Well, jury or judge. No, not, not the defendant, the with plaintiff. the plaintiff. Oh, and the not plaintiff. only sides of them, but offers... Huge payouts, of course. Yes, Mm -hmm. huge payouts. Okay. Um, Now, the Murdoch family law firm files the majority of those lawsuits, earning big money for themselves as well as their clients, allegedly uh, pocketing fifty percent of every big settlement. Wow, that's high, isn't it, Katie? Yeah. Well, yes. um, Most of the time, like when you get any kind of personal injury attorney, they're going to, it's, it's probably 40%. I think that's industry standard. But from my research on this, the Murdoch's do 50% because their win percentage is so high Mm -hmm. and the amount that they win these people is so high that people will still use them even though their percentage is higher because they trust them to win. Sure. Mm -hmm. They're still going to come out with more money. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Um, Walmart allegedly decided not to come to this area. Ah. Yeah. Okay. I mean to spoil anything. Because- no, no. I'm glad we circled back to that. I was we curious. Did. Yeah. Because it is known as a judicial hellhole. Ah, okay. And they were allegedly advised by their attorneys to avoid this area because if they were to get involved in one of these lawsuits, it could put the entire industry in South Carolina at risk. Looks like a good place for a slip and fall. Yeah. Now, Walmart was afraid. If Walmart says, fuck this, (laughs) maybe it's not a good place to hang out. Because they'll go anywhere. Right. In South Carolina, you can be the solicitor and maintain your private practice. So the Murdoch family has controlled both sides of the law. 
since 1920. Yeah, which is, that's not normal. So I can be the DA and a civil defense attorney. You can be on both Right, sides. a civil mm-hmm. defense attorney, Katie, am I saying that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can sue you for negligence and still be the DA. Yep, they Kelly, have sorry. deep pockets, lots of law enforcement friends, and lots of land in South Carolina. Seems like we're all picking a side on this, but... Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> now, the Murdochs had wealth long before they were lawyers. Randolph Murdoch's father, Josiah Putnam Murdoch II. That sounds like an old man. Made his first fortune in phosphate mining and the commercial fertilizer industry in Charleston County before getting into real estate development in Beaufort and Hampton Counties. Somebody get her a handkerchief (laughs) after that. In 1910, Randolph Murdoch graduated from law school and returned to Hampton, South Carolina to go into private practice. The firm he founded would become the present day Peters, Murdoch, Parker, Eltsroth, and Dietrich, or PMPED. All right. In 1920, he was the first man elected to the office of solicitor of the 14th Judicial Circuit, covering five counties and 200 square miles. The PMPED law firm went on to become one of the largest personal and vehicular injury firms in South Carolina. So circling back around to why initially that might not have been as fishy with Randy Murdoch. If there, yeah, if there's a, if there's a death on the highway and mm-hmm. we do vehicular yep. injuries, let me grab my phone and make a phone yeah, call like here you before make, someone else does. You make a phone call every, I'm sure they make a phone call every time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, they made their money from a South Carolina law stating that personal injury plaintiffs who are South Carolina residents may file a suit in any county in which an out-of-state company owns property or conducts business. So, you can also forum shop. Uh, This is the practice of choosing the court or jurisdiction that has the most favorable rules or laws for the position being advocated. A party can forum shop when more than one court has jurisdiction over the dispute, choosing the court that gives it an advantage over the opposing party. So, Hampton County is a great place to pay out. And as a South Carolina resident, you can file a suit in any county in which an out-of-state company owns property or business. I think the phrase that uh, Katie is probably taking in a breath to say, and her husband would say if he was here in this room with us right now, is ambulance chasers. <laughs> is, that too, is that too strong to say? No, I mean, that's what they are, sure. They're ambulance chasers. I mean, good God, he called the family of a dead boy in the road right after the coroner mm-hmm. and said, hey, if you want to cash out on this, he, he offered to take the case for free. Now, yeah. let me throw that twist in there. Yeah. Oh, what? <laughs> I was holding like, that to back. To not even take his 50%? Yeah, or I was is holding that, that is, back. Or is for free, uh, a lawyer speak for, I'm not going to charge you unless you win and then I'm taking half. That's how all personal injury things is that work. It? So it's probably that. Yeah. It's probably that he was going to wait until there was... Uh, a payout and then yeah. take his part. If, yeah, if you if if, but if that's John's not... dump truck company ran over you, and I get him for a hundred million, I get fifty, and maybe that's a high number. I get ten million. I keep five. You get the other five. But that's still not how you phrase that. He said he would do it for free. Yes, because he was so upset over 
He just wanted to get them their money. He just he just wanted to help them out. I, I, I'm, I'm sensing the suspicion that we all have okay. here. So back to this firm, PMPED and the building of this firm, okay? So this firm was so successful at suing the railroad company CSX that their huge building they have in downtown Hampton is known as the house that CSX built. Oh, wow. And that's the railroad. Uh-huh. CSX is the railroad. Randolph Sr. became very powerful. So he had, he was the solicitor in, you know, the new position in 1920. And then he had this practice, this, the house that CSX built. And then in a strange twist of irony, Randolph Sr. was killed in a train accident in 1940. Oh, now that is the definition of irony. Yeah. His car stalled while traveling over a train track. and On the railroad tracks. Yeah. Was the door broken? Maybe he should have sued Henry Ford instead. I don't know. He wasn't here anymore to sue anyone. So his son is Randolph (laughs) Murdoch Jr., who they called Buster. Now, don't get confused because the Buster I'm talking about. There's another Buster coming, right? This is the old original Buster. Buster sounds like a name that would get passed down. Yes. And so his son, Randolph Buster Murdoch Jr., took over the practice and the public office. So he t- he took the practice and the solicitor's office. So they were like, "Your dad's gone. You just you just have this job." He now. served as the solicitor from 1940 to 1986. Forty six years. I can do the math on that. That's, <laughs> That's forty six years. Randolph Buster Murdoch Jr. was the solicitor. That's how old I was six years ago. <laughs> so Randolph the third held the title of assistant solicitor under his dad. Okay, so let me build this this family tree for you, Scott. I think there's only one stem you on have, it, but go ahead. You have Randolph Sr., who died in the train accident in 1940, who was the solicitor. Mm-hmm. Then you have Randolph Jr., who took over in 1940. Mm-hmm. Now, he's going to serve that ridiculous 46 long. years. Yes. Now, during that time, his son, Randolph III, He's going to appoint him assistant solicitor. Nepotism. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then he, Randolph Third is going to take over as solicitor in 1986, mm-hmm. fo- following his dad. Okay. Now, Randolph Third's son is Richard Alexander Murdoch. And that's Alec. That's Alec Murdoch. Okay. Alec worked in the solicitor's office under his dad and continued the private practice. And and Alec acted as a volunteer prosecutor there until September of 2021. What the hell is a volunteer prosecutor? (laughs) What is that? I don't know. It's like, if you run out of prosecutors, I'll come do it too. I'll just do it. I'm going to help dad out. Okay. So, this is when, in September of 2021, this is when the Murdoch's holding of private practice and public office officially came to an end. Because even though Alec Murdoch was not, quote, the solicitor, he was very, very involved in the office and had a lot of influence over it because the family had been in that office since it was 
invented. He knew everybody in town. His Rolodex was full back when everyone oh, yes. still had a Rolodex on their desk. Oh, yes. Katie will tell you what a Rolodex is after the show. So uh, this, thank you. Kelly this, and I know. <laughs> <laughs> so this Randy Murdoch that we keep bringing up is the brother of Alex Murdoch. And this Buster Murdoch, whose name comes up 40 times when people are being interviewed about the death of Stephen Smith. Okay. Buster is Alec Murdoch's son. And he's, what, a couple of years older than Stephen Smith was? Two or three or four years old? No, they're the same age. They're classmates. Same age. Okay. They're classmates. Gotcha. So at the time, he's 19 years old. Gotcha. Um, So Randy is the uncle that's called the family and offered to help for free and you know okay. all of that stuff. So if you if you don't understand everything I've just said, hit pause, back us up a few minutes, get out a pen and paper, yeah, and write down that family tree. Yeah, just yeah, start in the middle and just do like uh, uh, lines here and another circle, but it all makes sense. I've so watched So you got Randolph, Randolph, Randolph. Mm-hmm. Alec. But that's all before Randy. Now is Buster. Randy Randolph the fourth? Uh, Randy is I don't know the Randy who calls Stephen Smith's parents. No, no, no. I, I know who he is. I'm saying is he Randolph the is fourth? He, yeah, he is he like be. another? He might be the fourth. Yeah. I don't know. Okay, I don't know. But he is Alex's brother, and Alec is the father of Buster, and Buster is the the name that keeps yes. coming. Classmate yes. of Stephen Smith who died in the middle of the road on July the eighth. 2015. 2015. Yeah, Randy okay. is Randolph the fourth, so he's the oldest okay. of him and Alec, and so it's Randy and then Alec, and so there is another brother, but we, we John. Mm-hmm. His name in. is John. It, is it okay? Yeah. So there you go. So take take notes there, everybody. Those are that's that's part of all the of Rand, this matters. The Murdoch family. We're not just throwing names at you to confuse you. All of this is going to matter. And Kelly has got this fantastic four part series figured out, and she's got it all mapped out. And before we're done, mm-hmm. Kelly, tell me if I'm saying anything I shouldn't say because I'm not sure the way you're looking at me right now. But all of these names. This is all important. I gave you those names for a reason. Yes. Correct. I gave you that family tree for yeah. a reason. Write that down. Hang on to it. We're, we'll, yes. <laughs> so Stephen Smith's case remains unsolved to this day. Now there are many theories and let's, let's just take a second and go back over those theories. Number one, he ran out of gas. He got out and walked and was hit by a truck. That's okay. what the state of South Carolina, that's what sled. That's what the doctor, the pathologist the, I'm ruled. Sorry. Yes, the pathologist. The highway patrol believe. says this was a homicide. Got it. Um, the another theory is that he was being harassed and chased by some guys in a truck. Mm-hmm. Like he told his, not sure, but this guy that claims he was his boyfriend, the older guy, um, and in this scenario. right, and they murdered him and left him in the road. Mm-hmm. And then there's this other theory of he was running from an older man who was upset with him, and this individual killed him and left him in the road. Now, those are just, there are more theories out there than those, but those are the three most popular ones. I just don't know why, if I wanted to get rid of someone, Mm -hmm. I would leave them laying in the middle of the road. It just sounds like, 
stop the car. The dumbest ass criminal ever, but throw them still, in the ditch. It seems to be working, but it's, 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 it, hey, you're right. Yeah. You know what? I hate to admit it, but Katie's right. So far it's, it's fucking still, working. Yeah. Still unsolved. Yeah. Um, seven now, years later. Right. The most common theory involves the guys who are harassing in the truck and, and killed him. And that's yeah. where Buster Murdoch's name comes up. Now, that's the most common theory involving Buster Murdoch, a member of one of the most notorious families in South Carolina history. As it turns out. So for the entire month of May, we will cover cases. Yes, cases, plural, connected to the Murdoch family. We could do an entire season on this family, and many podcasters have done this. But we have chosen to use the month of May. Now, this saga begins in 2015, as we have discussed in this episode. And it's still going on today. So we will most likely have updates in the future about the Murdoch family. Yes, it is very much ongoing. It seems like, yeah, it changes almost. I mean, I saw some updates and I'm not going to spoil anything, but just from a couple of days ago Mm -hmm. about new developments in this case. Yes, there are new developments in many of the cases that surround the the Murdoch family. Yeah. Um, And unfortunately, Stephen Smith is one of those. And, Mm -hmm. And I wish we had a way to tie this up in a nice bow for you, but, but we don't. And Sandy, uh, Steven's mother is adamant that this was a hate crime. And she feels like it was privileged individuals. So she, she leans more towards Buster and some of his friends who may have been involved. Now I do want to say this in some of the interviews that I have listened to when the highway patrol was conducting these interviews and they were talking with different people who were also classmates of Buster and Steven. Okay. I'm curious about this. And a couple of them say that they're kind of shocked that Buster's name is the one that's being used because it's out of character for Buster. Okay. Now they will give another name. That they would say, now, if you said Paul Murdoch, that wouldn't shock me. Who is Paul? Paul Murdoch <laughs> is Buster's younger brother. I'm guessing we're going to get to that. Mm-hmm. To be continued. All right. Well, that's part one of who, listen, this could go on for months. I mean, we've said it's going to be a four part series, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know why we couldn't just do this all damn summer. We could. We, we really could. could. And uh, like Katie said a minute ago, it just seems like every week something new pops up about this thing. It, it literally could go just on and on and on. This is one of those incidences where you have the truth is, is much stranger than fiction. Yes. I mean, this, is not a, this is not a fictional novel that we're reading to yeah, you. Yeah, we did not make this up, people. No, because you're going to ask yourself that over the course of May as we, as we make our... M-U-R-D-A-U-G-H. Google it. We are not making this up. Exactly. (laughs) Good night, everybody.